Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 31, 31, 31, 31. You're new to the podcast, welcome. So nice to have you here. Thank you for joining us. If you're a longtime listener, then you know what I'm about to say and you can kind of say it with me. Don't take notes. I've taken notes. Go to my website for everything, for all of the show notes. And while you're there, check out my incredible incredible photography. Yes, I pay my bills by picking up a camera. And I do commercial and editorial photography specializing in food and product. So hire me. Or maybe you know someone who needs photography. Have them hire me. If you have any questions for the podcast, you want to be on the podcast. If you need culinary sleuthing, send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Let's go on a food adventure, you guys. I'm so excited for today's episode. Today we're talking, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of just traveling. We are, I hope your bags are packed. I hope that you have your passport ready and that international plug thingamawetcha that um, you had to get for earlier episodes, previous episodes, such as when we went to Southern Italy or Tuscany, and then we hopped over to Paris. And, you know, we've kind of traveled a little bit together this year. So let's keep this going. It's going to be a super fun episode. To me, it's so funny when uh, I travel, when Todd and I travel, a lot of times Todd's my husband, in case you um, didn't know that from other episodes. We tend to travel, we used to tend to travel always in the wintertime. We'd go somewhere warm, usually in January. And then Europe, we like to do, I mean, I like doing Europe in the off seasons, to be honest, because it's just quieter. Some places in Europe can be, no offense, kind of warm and a little, um, you know, not, I don't want to use the word smelly, but a little, a little. A little. I mean, what major city isn't a little smelly in the summertime? Boston doesn't smell like peaches in the summertime. No, it doesn't. It it has its own funk because it's an old city and it can get a little smelly in the summer. And I can say that because I lived in Boston for many years in the North End and did I have smelled many of things. <laughs> So I like traveling in the off seasons, um, except in the wintertime, going somewhere tropical, like down south, meaning like Costa Rica, South America, um, any of the Caribbean islands, Fiji, Bali. If you're paying, I'm going. My passport's ready. My bags are definitely packed. But in the summertime, we always travel to local places. Like we live pretty close. In New England, the states are very small, so it's super easy to get around. So, you know, we'll go to Maine, Vermont, love going to southern Canada, whether it's going to Montreal, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia. And, you know, then even going down sometimes to the islands. We have family that have a house in Nantucket. Yep, we're bougie. No, no, we're really not bougie. We just... We lucked out and we have a family member who has a house down on Nantucket, which we love going to. Um, 
and you know there's the vineyard and and all these great places right around us that we take advantage of in the summertime and then in the winter we take bigger trips to get out of the cold because i love that 75 degree no humidity gorgeous breeze kind of weather like san diego but <laughs> i digress i digress i try to appreciate a lot of things about new england's just the the winter for more than a week is usually not one of those things. Um, so, okay, enough about me. Enough about uh, I could talk. You know me. I'm very caffeinated right now, so I can continue to talk about myself, which it is my podcast, so I could do. But I won't bore you with those details. Let's get into our guest today. All right, my guest. My guest today. He has traveled to over 20 countries and counting. And I know he's traveling right now or soon to travel. He has eaten an incredible Michelin star restaurants and loves a good street food moment too. He has a podcast called The Nomadic Foodist Show and it's dedicated towards helping people discover amazing food all over the world. So without further ado and a big round of applause to Chris from The Nomadic Foodist Show podcast. Hey buddy, what's shaking? Oh, man. Thank you for having me on the show here. I'm pretty excited just for you to talk about some food and travel. I know, right? <laughs> and isn't it so much fun to sit back and let someone interview you for a change versus you being the one to drive the bus? Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> I love talking about food so much and my friends get tired of it. So I think it's good to be interviewed and yeah, take the passenger seat here and answer some good questions. Awesome. Good conversation. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, like you and I both have a love of not just food and travel, but also talking because we both have podcasts. You, as I told everyone before we jumped on, have the podcast called The Nomadic Foodist Show. And we can talk about it throughout, obviously, this podcast, but also at the very end as well. And it is an incredible podcast because you love to travel and you love to eat and you love to have experiences, which I think is so freaking cool. But before we get into all of that, can you tell my fabulous listeners a little more about you and where you're from originally? Yeah, yeah. So about me, so not too exciting, I guess. I was actually born in Texas. And my dad was in the U.S. military. Both of my parents are actually immigrants. So my dad is German and he immigrated to the United States when he was young and then became a U.S. citizen and joined the U.S. Army stationed over in Korea. Uh, and so that's where he met my mom Aww. and they got married. And the rest is uh, history, as they say. And then uh, <laughs> I uh, grew up in that like multi-ethnic household, and it was so fun um, and exciting. And of course, when you're young, it's just kind of how life is. You don't really understand that your life is really different from other people until you get older. But it was a very unique way to grow up. Lots of good food. Oh, my mom yeah. was an amazing cook. My dad was a good cook. And I grew up in Virginia for most of my life before moving to Colorado in 2010 mm. and that's where i am now so yeah awesome so did you guys because your dad was in the military was your dad still in the military when you were born in texas or was he already yes. out but, oh, okay so then did you have to hop mm -hmm. around like a military what do they call military brats is that the probably <laughs> that not the, the pc term, term but yeah <laughs> i don't know that that's what that's what they say um okay. not too much moving around when 
so we went to i'm trying to remember now so from texas when i was born went to korea back to texas um and i think back to korea maybe one more time before my dad retired oh wow and so then after he retired i was still a baby did, yeah oh okay in your household did you guys have a trilingual household no <laughs> so <laughs> no <laughs> I am upset with my parents about this, actually, because they never spoke their native languages really to us because we were American and we were going to learn English. And that's oh. the only thing we're going to speak in the house. No. And here's the thing. A lot of immigrant immigrant families are like that, too. It depends yeah. on how you grew up, but it's the whole, you know, you're American now, so you better just learn English and learn it well. I know they didn't want me to have an accent or to be picked on and stuff. And just where we grew up in, you know, Texas and then in Virginia, the whole thing was very, and in Virginia too, I was in Southern Virginia, not Northern Virginia. Yeah. Southern Virginia was a lot different. It was the South, Confederate flags on trucks, Ugh. you know, gun racks. So it was Ugh. a whole way of assimilating. Uh, yeah. Trying to be white, as white as white can be. So you don't oh, yeah. Get, and, yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. And so growing up was kind of tough. You know, I got picked on a lot. And it's one of the reasons why I learned, I joined uh, karate school when I was mm -hmm. young. I did martial arts just about all my life because I started oh, wow. getting picked on. I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle and beat the crap out of people. Sure. So. And eat pizza. I think those are all <laughs> wonderful things. My husband's favorite movie of all time is Karate Kid. And like, cause he's oh, yeah. a few years older than I am. And so he grew up watching. I mean, I, I watched Karate Kid too, but he literally can recite every single line of that movie over <laughs> and over again. So Sweep I think the leg. Yeah, right. I think there's something about our generation uh, about needing like, I don't know, karate was a huge way of boys and girls and non-binary um, to get together, get some confidence, feel good because so, you know, we didn't have cyberbullying. Well, I didn't have cyberbullying because the internet wasn't a thing, but it's still like you got picked on and there's only so much you can mm -hmm. do, you know? And like, it wasn't exactly. like it is now where parents weren't really stepping up. The school of thought was, well, if they're picking on you, hit them back and you're or do something back. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what? <laughs> what do you want me to do? So holy crap, man. Um, no, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was a good way to grow up. I loved my yeah. cry school and it was uh yeah it was really fun after a couple of times getting picked on i didn't really get to get into that many fights and luckily that what they teach you i had a really good school like super super good mm -hmm. and they always taught you the fight that you win is the one you avoid you know the one you talk out of wow. yourself out of because you don't want to get in a fight and hurt somebody there's all sort of things that complicated but mm -hmm. um i grew up with a very old-fashioned japanese karate school so what they did say was, if you are forced to fight, you better fight for your life. Because at that point, if you've avoided everything, they back you in a corner, you you have no choice but to fight your way out. And it's going to be intense. Yeah, <laughs> so right. wow. it, was a, it was a very unique, unique way of growing up. Like they would like punch us in the stomach. Like I had my nose broken twice before I was <gasps> 12 by adults. Oh yeah, it was great. Like I loved it. It was like, holy crap. Was, Do you still practice oh, karate today? I don't. Um, so I stopped doing karate when I was 14. Mm. No. Mm, yeah, 14. Because my sensei had passed away from cancer and our school kind of went under. Oh, I'm so sorry. After that point. Oh, yeah, that was very tough. But yeah. then I went to American Taekwondo, which was a whole different thing, yeah. but uh, not as very much Americanized, not as strict, very mm. easy. So I did really well there. So I had my black belt in karate, black belt in taekwondo, and then in college I'd started doing jujitsu, 
uh, a little bit as like a club sport, some no-gi jujitsu, mm-hmm. and I did jujitsu for that, and then a few other times um, in my younger adult life. But I haven't gotten back into it recently just because I've been so busy and I travel a lot now. So <laughs> I hope I do because I love it. Like it's one of the yeah. best things I think a person can do for themselves, and it's That's a lot awesome. of self-confidence. It's so self-confidence, it's and it's also probably a lot of um, getting into a meditative state into like, you're probably really grounded while you're doing it. So it also is probably calming and relaxing at the same time of being intense in a way. I mean, I'm no, absolutely. Done that's how I picture it in my, in my noggin, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, what totally agree. Oh yeah. It's just, so anyone who like, like joining karate as a kid is one of the best things I think anyone can do if their kid really wants to do it because they teach you focus. Yeah. That very meditative state, because when you're doing these classes, you're very focused, you're very grounded, you're really understanding what you're doing. You're very in the moment. And to learn that when you're young and learn how to be still and know how to react and know how to, when to be aggressive and when to calm down, it's, I think a huge thing that keeps that kept me as a kid from like being a wild, crazy kid. You know, I was very reserved and very mature from a young age because of that whole experience. That's awesome. That's, I mean, and talk about some life lessons. Speaking of life lessons, you have a podcast. You have a beautiful podcast that I'm a huge fan of that we need to talk about because I think it's your podcast spun from the topic at hand today. Am I right with that first? So oh, yeah. was, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The travel came first and then the podcast. Um, so tell everyone a little bit about your podcast and how it came about and how long you've been doing it. So this is a relatively new podcast, but it really focuses uh, focuses on like travel and food, of course. So I interview people too who are travelers, bloggers, podcasters, chefs who really love food, talk about their food journey talk about their travel experiences. Sometimes we focus on a specific destination. Sometimes we just go around and talk about different things. It just kind of depends on the person and the situation, but ultimately it just helps people become better travelers and to find and discover the best food no matter where they go. And I think that's really important. For me, travel is this huge thing that's very transformative in how I look at the world and how I see myself. And food is one of the ways I think that people can really open themselves up to understand a different culture easier and faster. And of course, in a more delicious way. Absolutely. Well said. And what are you, what are you doing now outside of podcasting? Because I know podcasting as I know very, so very too much too well that um it doesn't necessarily pay the bills it's more of a fun thing to do um and and for me selfishly i get to chat with people because i am a social butterfly and i need social interaction so what do you do to make some coin to support your podcast (laughs) oh i'm an uber driver actually and it's uh it's so great because I can stop and start whenever I want. So actually my wife and I were gearing up to uh, do a long trip, uh, probably over in Europe for a little bit. We already bought our tickets for Athens. So oh. we are headed over there in August. So we basically try to work as much as we can in a very short amount of time, anywhere between five to six months. And then we save up all that money and then we just go travel until the money runs out. And then we come back and That's wash, rinse, repeat. so awesome. That is such a great way to live, I think. I think that's incredible. Good for you. Yeah. Is she uh, is she an Uber driver as well? Or what does she do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does it too. And we keep the same schedule. It's nice. Oh my God, that's incredible. That's awesome. Probably a lot of trips to the airport, I bet. 
in Denver? No, no, I try to avoid those. Oh. <laughs> actually, <laughs> for so for good reasons. But uh, really, actually, I hate going to the airport because it gets me excited. Because every time I see oh. the airport, I think of it's some sort of mental neurological thing. I see the airport, I'm like, I'm gonna go travel. I'm gonna and, go. And I don't. No. But I don't. No, you so don't. No. It's like a tease. I hate it. Total tease. <laughs> Um, speaking of traveling, I know you absolutely love it. You just kind of touched on why you love it so much. How, like, how do you travel? What is your favorite way to travel? And I guess what, I, and you're kind of talking about it a little bit. Well, for me, I, if I could pick one way is to travel slowly. And if I can spend a month in one city at, at a time, I absolutely would, because you can see a lot. You can not put things in a rush, you know, it, when you have, for example, a week off, you have the normal American life, you get a week off or vacation at a time, you have this planned trip, let's say you're going to uh, France, you yeah. want to go to Paris. Yep. So one full day to get there is going to be, you know, travel, then you're there for five days, and then one full day back of travel. So you really have only five days in a city. So, so you're such a Debbie Downer right now. It's so true. So true. <laughs> it's hard. It's very difficult to see the things. And then you're in this, this manic rush because when you get there, you're probably jet lagged. So the first day is going to be a little bit slow moving. So really, if you really, really think about it, you have four full days to really take in a city. Yeah. And that's a hard truth to accept when you have this precious time. And unfortunately, that is the norm. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Take that time and use it to your advantage as much as you can. But right now I'm in a place in my life, luckily, where I can slow down and I can spend a month in like Istanbul. I can spend mm. a month and a half in Vietnam, you know, and, and go to a couple different cities. There are traveling slowly. You just take in what normal life is there. Not that mm -hmm. I am I wouldn't call myself a Parisian if I lived in Paris for a month at all, but I'm a, a traveler who's trying to soak it all in the small minute details, the smells, the sounds, how people move, what do they wear, how these things are eaten, you know, the certain types of food, when are they eaten and why? Right. And like yeah, almost becoming attention. a a local somewhere. Like you're a regular somewhere now. Like you can walk into yeah. a coffee shop or a bar and the barista or whomever might recognize you and they're like, Oh, hey, you want your regular, you know, kind of feeling. Yeah. And there's something that feels so special. I cherish that as well. When you travel, do you stay in like Airbnbs or are you more of the hotel kind of family? What do you like to do? It depends on what's cheapest, really. Yeah. Um, if if I can get Airbnb, I'd choose that just because I have the option for a kitchen, mm -hmm. so I can you know cook grown meals. It makes it a little bit easier for not only just for the you know money wise, but it's kind of nice to cook with some local ingredients to buy vegetables from a market or to to cook with the local produce, chicken, beef, stuff like that, because it all kind of tastes different than yeah. what we're used to. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of taste those different ingredients, it just opens up your mind to a whole new level of what understanding what food tastes like and why. Well, that and it kind of imprints differently in your brain of when you're remembering in these experiences, it, it's, it makes it even more special, I think. Um, oh, versus, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, eating out. So when you're deciding on a trip, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you decide the food? It Does that dictate where you go sometimes? Or is it like a site that you want to see? Or is it a mix of both? 
It's mostly food. Yeah, I knew, <laughs> I knew that answer. Almost ninety percent food. Yeah. <laughs> I could have put money on that one. Oh, for man. sure. Is it, it really like is. restaurants that you're like, oh, this is a bucket list place? We're going to Lisbon because we're going to Ramiro's, like kind of thing. A lot of times, yes, you see those sort of experiences um, on like a TV show, yeah. or you read about it, or you see on like a YouTube video. You're like, okay, I need to experience this for myself. But you also for me, I like the local food the best and street food specifically. If they have like really good local street food or small like diner food, the, the places like that are the most captivating for me because that's mm -hmm. how people eat every single day. Mm -hmm. I want to have that sort of food. So if that food looks good and it seems like it's amazing, I want to try it. <laughs> and a lot of it too, that goes into the planning of should I go to this place over that place? For sure, like hawker style food in Singapore, or Malaysia, or um, Macau, I think has really good hawker food as well. Yeah, for absolutely. Would you ever go on the Amazing Race with your wife? No. <laughs> no, hands down, no. I, I love my wife way too much to put us uh, and through that and get divorced. Well, okay, would you go with like <laughs> a best kidding. friend? No, it's true. Uh, no, no, I no, wouldn't. You would never. No, like uh, I love I love my relationships too much to I put know. in that much stress. I know. <laughs> Like a part of me would love to do that, but then a part of me would be like, oh, just like what you said, like, ah, I don't know if I, I you know, uh -huh. I would make for really good TV, but I don't know if it, my relationships would survive the really good yeah. TV that we would make. Yeah, I know. I know. But I would, it'd be so much fun in a way. Yeah. I fantasize yeah. about it, but there's no way. Oh, absolutely. Actually, yeah. Well, like, like, like my wife and I, like, I'm sure we would do fine, but we would just be arguing, you know, cause you're in these stressful situations. You oh, have yeah. to make you split decisions. Slept. Yeah. You haven't you're slept. You're tired. You're, you're hungry. Tired. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything. All of the things. You're all of the things. That's like the perfect storm of now yeah. we're going to have a blowout fight. Oh, and guess what? <laughs> exactly. It's in front of millions of people on national boom. TV. Yeah. Boom. Like it, the atomic <laughs> bomb of relationships is going on. But a lot of them, not only do they survive, they like go on to go on it again because Oh, geez. It's, I know. I, cool. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah, I guess, I'd rather like, go with you to Athens for a month. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, speaking, exactly. you touched on Paris a second ago. We have to talk about your wedding proposal. Okay. Okay. So uh, this is my challenge to all men everywhere. And well... <laughs> Well, anyone who's 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 playing the proposal, okay? Yeah. Like, like, it can't not be just women, women, it can't be women, women. Yeah, it can't yeah, be non-binary. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But when it comes to traditional men, you know, and there are a lot of us out there, we don't take charge of this opportunity enough. So, whoever you are, and if you're planning on proposing to somebody, make it a story that they will want to tell for the rest of their life and smother all other stories to the ground, <laughs> just like pulverize them. Okay, have that sort of mindset. Okay. It's not a competition, but it kind of is because no, when they tell the story, yeah. they're gonna wanna have a good one. Okay. So it takes some time, it takes detail, and it takes a lot of emotional thought to it too. So um, we love the movie Up, so the mm -hmm. Disney movie. Of course. The it's one, about. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I think everyone knows this movie. <laughs> and it's the worst Disney movie on the face of the planet in, in the sense that you are oh, yeah. heartbroken in the first like oh. 30 seconds. Like you literally get that box of tissues. You're going to lose yeah. your shit when you're watching this and just cry profusely. But yes, please go ahead. Please continue. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. Oh, but man. It's just my it's heart. True. Like, I have to fast forward the first, like until he opens the door. 
And like, yep. he's the crotchety oh, old man. man because I can't, I can't watch the beginning. I can't, I can't. It's, I can't. it's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. Well, like the movie has so many great themes in it. Like, yeah. in my opinion, you know, like adventure starts whenever you want it to start. The adventure mm -hmm. for yourself begins when you make that decision to go on the adventure. Mm. It's not just, life doesn't just happen to you. You have to make it happen, whether you're young or you're old and if you're in a relationship or not. And those mm. sort of things really determine how your life goes. And for us, really big themes come from that movie and for us to understand ourselves a little bit. And one of the main you know themes of the movies that adventure is out there you know they say that a couple times it's yeah, the whole thing do. that was part of the relationship with the main characters so uh, adventure is out there and i think for us our life has been this wild adventure and so our proposal was in paris on valentine's day and i planned this thing months in advance i found a company over there that helps business people with organizing meetings and logistics for like rental cars or like events and stuff so when people are coming from outside the country they can come to paris and have all these things ready for the business so i emailed them and said hey i want to propose to my wife can you help me set things up right. and they did you know uh -huh. they had an hourly rate that they were working on so i'm like okay i'll pay it and so they got you know i had a couple hundred balloons in front of the eiffel tower <sighs> on valentine's day and it was a very unique day because it was going to rain uh, of that day. And of course it was. Of course, of course it, was. it was. So it was a very tough thing. So we had to move the timetable a couple times that morning. And man, this this person helped me out so much. It was such a good thing. We, get, we did it at the right time. But here's the tough part. It started mm. raining when we were leaving to go to the Eiffel Tower. Ugh. So we were by the Moulin Rouge was where our hotel was. So mm. we get to the tram. It's raining. I'm like, oh crap oh well because i had backup plans it was going to mm -hmm. be in like two different restaurants that had available with reservations in case it rained with mm -hmm. like a view of the eiffel tower to still make it romantic and amazing but the second we got out of the of the metro it stopped raining and hold and, on pause moving a hundred a couple hundred balloons around for trying to get them in a restaurant or not in a restaurant in the split second is challenging as it is too on top of Yes. Yeah. So this yes. is like, yeah. I'm, I'm literally at the edge of my seat. Please keep going. <laughs> so it stops raining. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she, the, the person who's helping me, she uh, didn't, she said, it's fine. We're, we're still going to do it in the park. So I forgot the name of the park in front of Paris. Um, oh. I, I'm going to try to pronounce it. The Champs-Elysees. Yes. I, I think you're right. It, or I'll fact check you. Yes. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a very long park and that goes up to the Eiffel Tower. So you walk along the park to get to the Eiffel Tower. And so we're at the very end of that park. We're walking along the road. I'm like, hey, let's stop because we're on our way to go to get some lunch. All right. So she thought we we're getting lunch. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, let's go look at the Eiffel Tower real quick. She's like, oh, I'm really hungry. Can we just go? I don't. We'll see it afterwards. I'm like, no, you're going to want to see the Eiffel Tower right now. Because <laughs> up to this point, we've been in Paris for two days and we oh, did not see the Eiffel wait, Tower on. yet. The Champ de Mars. Champ de Mars. Okay. That's what Perfect. it says. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Champ de mm -hmm. Mars. Yep. We <laughs> oui, oui. So, so we had been in, in Paris for, for two days without seeing the Eiffel Tower up close. So I was waiting because I wanted this to be the first moment she, we, we saw it together. How are you hiding the Eiffel? So you're hiding your, the Eiffel Tower from your, <laughs> your then girlfriend. She's hungry. It was raining. It's probably a little cold because it's February. So it's yeah, it like is. a little damp. Mm -hmm. And she's like, mm -hmm. listen, 
buddy. I don't want to do I want to go eat some soup. Why are you doing this to me? You're like, we're doing it right. This is awesome. So awesome. Oh yeah. Well, she was all about it, you know. After I said, yeah. like, Oh, well, here, we're just gonna walk by it real quick. I just wanna just get a glimpse. And she's like, Oh, okay, that's fine. I have I, we have reservations at a restaurant. So walk by and then she hears this music so it was the a violinist playing the up theme song um that's in the beginning of the the movie and i had a whole bunch of props set up with like suitcases a table like some other banners and stuff um and then she realized as we're getting closer she's like is that the up theme song like what what's going on like then she realized oh this is for me so then we walk up to it i had a photographer there and taking pictures and say a little a little thing about adventure and love and how much oh. the movie means to us and represents what we want to do with our lives and to go on these amazing adventures all around the world together oh. so pop the question of course she said yes and yeah so it was, a, it was a good one i'm glad that it all worked out up balloons you know in the background super oh. fun oh my god that is just so special and then what's even better is where did you get married chris <laughs> oh hold on <laughs> Barcelona. Okay. Um, before I go into that, here's yeah. the crazy part. So when we, when we had come out of the, the, the Metro, it was like, it was raining before we got out, stopped raining. So all along the park, there was this opening of blue sky just over us, oh the park God. and the Eiffel tower and past it <gasps> everywhere else on the left or the right was dark, ominous and rainy. Oh. And you're looking around and it was like the craziest thing. I'm like, like the heavens just opened up for this little moment. And yeah. then once the proposal and everything was done, it started raining again. Perfect. So it was, it was so crazy just for that short amount of time. I was very oh happy with God. how it turned out. That's how it had to have turned out. There is no other no. way it would have, you know what I mean? Like that, that's so, <laughs> that's so bonkers. Okay. But now, because I'm obsessed with Barcelona, please tell, tell me about your wedding because you know, you think, okay, this big proposal in Paris obviously now we got to top that for the wedding so we're going to barcelona apparently how long was it yeah when you guys got engaged to once you got married uh let's see a year and a half just i thought about. you were gonna say two weeks okay <laughs> <good>. <laughs> knowing you no like you actually guys... no I, I am so sorry it is not it was actually i'm, I'm getting my timetables mixed up on a few things so yeah. we we uh proposed in february we got married in october so not long actually no not that long <laughs> i'm, I'm I thinking no yeah, sorry not i didn't now. think so no nice try no. okay and then how many people went to your wedding in barcelona uh zero we right. eloped instead <laughs> i know so how did you guys decide to do that that's crazy were you well in barcelona and you just decided to get married or did you no no okay 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 we we planned it because it was up in her like for her the wedding was important so if she wanted a traditional wedding we would absolutely do that mm -hmm. or we can go travel instead and elope and do her own thing and save a lot of money and use that money for more travel and so she opted for traveling more so uh we decided to do that instead so was it hard for your parents uh no <laughs> i only ask because you know like honestly I, yeah. I used to plan weddings for a living and i too went through what a wedding what you go through with a wedding and it ends up being more for the families the family. exactly. than it is for the two people um who are getting married like we enjoyed our wedding don't get me wrong but it was definitely mm -hmm. a party for our family and friends than it more than oh, yeah. what yeah so i completely understand that but some parents wouldn't accept oh, yeah. their kids getting going in eloping 
I think. Yeah. I'm sure. So it's we were lucky. Well, she has three older sisters and they all had weddings. So that whole thing, they're she's the youngest of, of four. So they've had enough weddings and they have grandkids and stuff like that. So, gotcha. so her they side got it out was, of their system yeah, early. They yeah, definitely yeah. did. And on my parents have an older sister, but actually I have an ex-wife. So we actually had married, we got married a while ago, had the whole wedding. So they've already been to a wedding sort of situation there. Perfect. So it's it was like, all okay. out of your systems. And you're yeah. like, no, we're doing it this way this time. Good for you. Yeah. Good so we're like, uh, yeah. So they didn't mind at all. We talked about it with both of both families and they're like, yeah, if you want to do your thing, do your thing. And that's what we wanted to do with our money. So yeah. That's awesome. And then how long was your, where'd you go for your honeymoon? Oh, we just stayed in Barcelona. <laughs> so yeah, it just, just made it the whole thing, made it super easy because weddings, at least in Denver, are very, 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 very expensive. We're talking yes. minimum. 20, it would cost us a minimum 30. of 20,000. Yeah. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. And then yeah. that's before we add an alcohol, it depends on the venue and the time yeah. of year. And the, so I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> if we, if we no, can help it. You. So yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. And like the doing something that is very meaningful to the two of you is super special and there's nothing you can change about. You know what I mean? Like that, that I think what you did is great. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. So, we're, we're happy go. with it. Now, do you want to dive into um, a handful of listener questions for you that came in for just you? For you. Yes. Yes. Okay. I would love to answer all of these questions. Woohoo. Okay. Drew in Vermont writes, I would like to travel more, but honestly, I don't have the money to do big vacations. Have you taken one that you loved and that was cost effective? Yeah, absolutely. So travel is more than just this big trip over you know, 12 hours away on a, on a plane, it can be anywhere. So if you're looking to really save money, go to a city that is close to you that you've never been to before. For example, for us, a really fun, inexpensive like trip or vacation will be here in Colorado where I live. So mm. we're lucky enough to have some very nice, beautiful mountains and there are some great options. So even to a more you know, expensive uh, destination can still be pretty cheap in, in Colorado. So we love going to Aspen for a few days. Mm. So you just find the, a good hotel room and or an Airbnb that kind of fits what you're looking for. And then you go to some good restaurants. And so there's lots of very good, fancy, notable restaurants in Aspen. But we really stick with uh, the cheaper ones. And there's even uh, a Vietnamese place that does some like awesome, awesome, awesome pho here. And it's in Aspen, Colorado, up in the middle of the mountains, you know, that, that's like three hours away from Denver. So there's some very notable things you can do. Now, if you do want to fly, you can find, you know, flights from your city and try to find a place that's cheap. So if we're looking for a cheap vacation, Las Vegas is generally where we mm, go. Flights are yep. very short and expensive Super from cheap. Denver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though Vegas has this reputation of this, big we're gonna gamble we're gonna go excessive on the food and get really fancy things we don't really do that we mostly just go for the food but really good food at an expensive price we're very much budget travelers in general Mm -hmm. and there's some awesome places in vegas that you can go to and you can make a a vegas trip happen for us like and eat some eat just very 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 well you can find a very cheap hotel room over there and spend under like 600 bucks for like three or four days so yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you've got self-control and you won't gamble. Good for you because I used to go to Vegas quite often <laughs> and my biggest trips were a lot more than that. I can't gamble. Oh. I, would, 
gambling. Yeah. And I, but you can also, you can go, I don't know if they still have it cause I haven't been to Vegas in a while, but you used to be able to go to old Vegas and you could find like dollar craps tables or you could find dollar blackjack tables. And oh, yeah. th- that's super fun because so you spend like 20 bucks, you get a little action, you're having fun. You get a couple of free beers or whatever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. walk around. And then you still get that experience because um, not unfortunately, but like literally gambling is so ingrained in the touristy side of Las Vegas that like, it's really hard to avoid unless you really, really don't gamble. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like it's, it's... everywhere. It, it's it, the, the sounds, the smells, it, it's literally, you close your eyes and you hear ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well, <laughs> absolutely. Well, here, here's a trick that we've done before. We don't, mm. we don't do this much anymore just because for gambling for me, it's like if I spend $20 or $50 and I lose it all, I don't get the enjoyment, the satisfaction that other people get from it. So mm. I think, oh, I could have bought a really good steak with that money. That, that's yeah. exactly where my brain goes. So, but if we do gamble, um, here's a little trick that we do because mm-hmm. everything is tracked in the casino. So you go to a lower end casino on the strip, yeah. not like the fancy ones. You can't do the, at like, at like the Bellagio or, or the Win or something You have to go on the lower ones. So one of our favorite hotels is the link. Mm-hmm. So very inexpensive hotels, very, very new, newly renovated rooms. The, everything is pretty cool. So I like it. Some good restaurants, but this is what you do. You start off with 20 bucks you put into a slot machine and once you are up on money you cash out you take that you take it over to the cash out machine you get real cash and then you take that cash and you go to another machine a different uh a different slot machine and the reason why you do this is because that barcode has all the information of how long you're there how much money you spent how much money you lost how much money you gained so you want actual cash when you go to your next one because that isn't the information isn't there and then you keep going and keep going and keep going either until your money runs out completely or you make money so every time we've i've done this i've actually made money so i had no idea that the barcode so oh, you has everything it, really so you have so your theory is that the machines are reading the barcode and when you hop from machine to machine and you're just sticking the ticket back in if you were on a hot streak on a different machine this machine's going to read it and be like, no, nope, we're cooling her down. Correct. Um, generally wow. speaking, like they have their own algorithms to keep you gambling. So I don't I want to take that out and have them think it's fresh and start over. And so this is on every single thing that's a machine that you put money into. Everything is always tracked and the probability of winning is also controlled. So like even if you go to like a claw machine, you know, for yeah. a stuffed animal, there are settings inside the machine that determines the probability of when someone will win and you can increase or decrease that i used to work at a putt-putt too um when i was in college and we used to do this machines determine you know (laughs) if someone's winning too much then we have to turn it down like they're winning too much for losing money on this machine so we have to make it harder so everything's rigged in in a way fascinating oh my god that's so fascinating in the 70s my dad tried to outsmart roulette and uh, it didn't work, but that's another story for another day. But he like, literally, roulette. yeah, he literally oh, made a roulette table and at home and weighted everything. And like, is he, okay. So both of my parents, I mean, Jesus, they met at NASA in DC for Christ's sakes. They're both, they Ooh. got their degrees in math, like smart as smart can be. And so my dad thought he could really win, <laughs> win at roulette. Like, 
So he he did it all, and then he went to um, oh, Atlantic City. Let's just say he still worked. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the house always wins. So. Well, here I will say this. I will say this uh, gambling. So the one time I've played craps was with one of my buddies, and he at the time he was in Vegas being a professional gambler sure. so I, I knew nothing about crafts we were there for a friend's bachelor party and we got there a day early before everybody else so we're like hey let's hit the craps tables I'm like i don't know how to play craps he goes just just trust me follow me here so he only this is no joke and this is no exaggeration he would only stand at one part of the table and when it was his turn to throw the dice he would only grip it a certain way with the certain numbers at the top yep. he would only toss it a certain way yeah and at at the time i thought okay this is all random no like he went third i think that his biggest streak was like 14 rolls before oh. crapping out and oh. he did this multiple times on average he, it was like 10 times and so I would skip, I wouldn't toss the dice, you know, if you don't know anything uh -huh. about craps, it's kind of a weird game. But so whenever he got it, I would just bet big and he would tell me pass, no pass, you know, put here and here. And like, I went from $50, I made like 300 oh, in yeah. like four hours because yeah. I would have just bet when he did, you know? That's and, awesome. Oh yeah. Super crazy. Anyways. I love Random it. No, I'm, I, I know. Well, I, yeah, I, now this whole podcast is now sponsored by Las Vegas. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I love craps. So I will play craps until I fall down. Um, but anyway, that's another conversation for another day. So Patty from Instagram writes, I love eating where Anthony Bourdain did and kind of traveled through him. I'm super bummed. He's no longer with us. Both Chris and I are as well. How do you research yes. for your trips? So it all starts off with food, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Patty, go back to the beginning of this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. It all comes down to food. Yeah. So when I'm figuring out where to eat, um, I don't always eat where Anthony Bourdain eats unless it's something that I think was very notable and different or something special. Mm. Um, so I will Google what food is Blank City known for and then or what are the regionally specific foods for this city? So that'll give you a whole list of different types of food. You make a list of, I'm going to try this dish, that dish, that dish. So I'd usually I'll find about 10 different things that that city's known for. And then I will go back to Google and I'll put the best restaurants for this dish. Mm. Now, this can be kind of tricky because it'll bring up a lot of touristy things. So yeah. you kind of have to filter through and figure out like what's good and what's not. A lot of food bloggers are actually a very good reference. Podcasts mm. such as these <laughs> are also good resources because if we've eaten there and we want only the good food, not the touristy food that's, I guess, accustomed to that sort of palate uh, for the tourist palate. It's something that the locals eat because that's where I want to eat. That's how I like to eat. And oh, if you yeah. like to eat at tourist restaurants, that's good too. But for me and how I do it is that's I want to try the local food. And that's the best way to do it. And then when I'm picking out a place to stay, I always find uh, the neighborhood that has the best food in it. So you can go back to Google and you can type in like the best neighborhoods and then they'll give you a list of like different types of neighborhoods in that city. And then I go on to Google Maps. I see what restaurants are there, what their ratings are. I look up some of the restaurants I know I want to go to or bars because it's nice when you're tired if you don't have a kitchen or you don't feel like cooking, you just walk a block or two and get something really, really good for inexpensive and just walk back to your place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so totally. That's, that's and how I like to do it. 
And also like, I think both you and I want to push ourselves outside of our culinary comfort zones, which is why we travel. And so I'm not going to get, I saw this the other day and I wanted to just scream a pizza from a vending machine in Rome. I'm going to go, can you believe they have a pizza vending machine in Rome? No, (laughs) no, no, bad, (laughs) bad. I'm going to actually go down to Naples and I'm going to get pizza like where pizza comes from you know what i mean like and i i will wait in line and i will get that and find the hole in the wall gem because that's what we do that's why we're traveling and we get to experience that and all the people around us so great nicely said chris manu in brazil writes i love vietnamese food and really want to go to vietnam have you been oh has he been if so where uh wait hold on if so what are your must do's in vietnam and where did you go Okay, so Vietnam, very big country with a lot of diversity in the cuisine from the northern part to the southern part. So I liked Hanoi. So I went to Hanoi. I went to another city, uh, Hoi An, which I would not recommend, but uh, that was a bit too touristy for me, a bit gimmicky. But um, I loved Hanoi so much. People super nice, food just unbelievably amazing. Like, seriously. I cannot tell you how good the food was there and the pho is on another level. It's something you've never tried before. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's a Northern style. So it's a little bit different than what we're used to in most places in the United States where it's Southern style pho and and that's great pho too, but I prefer the Northern style. It's a little bit less sweet, a little bit less herby, more beef forward. It's more beef forward. Okay. So like it's a very strong like beef stock that's generally not um, overly powerful. So I ate at like five or six different places. So there's some definitely some good ones. Um, I actually did a podcast episode of my favorite places in um, Hanoi, Vietnam, as well as a a blog post too. But Awesome. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. But there's one thing I do want to talk about though. Mm. There's a place called – I'm trying to – so my favorite, I'll tell you my favorite pho place though, because there's a story that goes along with it. Okay. It's a place called Pho Hong Trong. And this place we have deemed a code name for it called Secret Pho because <laughs> you can't find this place. Okay. It's very hard. Um, looking through blogs, I have found that place. It wasn't on any sort of top pho place that you Googled. It wasn't on any sort of list. You just had to really dig deep to find this place. So um, it's actually in someone's house. There are no signs for it. Oh God. There is, there's, there, there's no signage. There's no directions on where to go. The only way I found out about how to go was from people's pictures. So I post those pictures on the, uh, on the uh, podcast episode. So you can follow along too, because you have to go to, it's easy to find which street it's on because of Google maps, but then you don't know where to go. Cause there are no signs. So you have to go down this dark, hallway and even in the middle of the day there is no sunlight getting into this hallway it's like there's a coffee shop and like some other store next to it and then there's this dark hallway that goes into the abyss okay right so you're literally rolling the dice on this one you're like we're either gonna get mugged or we're getting good pho so exactly what the hell let's do (laughs) it it's gonna be adventure either way right totally but but here's the thing about some of these southeast asian countries like so this was our second country went to on this long trip. If you walk down an alleyway, eventually you'll be in someone's house. There are no doorways sometimes. There are no curtains. It's just all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in someone's living room. Oh my Sorry, God. I'll back up. I'll go oh walk away. My God. It really is. It can be that way. 
Okay. So we're like, we don't, we just want to walk in someone's house, you know, like we have before right. by accident. So uh, we went anyways. So you go down this dark hallway. It's about, I don't know, 150, 200 feet. It's pretty long. And you see this little light bulb, like it's in a horror movie, you know, this little like flick cream light bulb <laughs> like at the end of the hallway. Oh, yeah, God. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so you, you go up to this light bulb and it has a little sign. And I don't know what it says, but it does have the word fall on there. It has a little arrow pointing up the stairs. So mm -hmm. it's either a way of luring tourists like us to our to our death or yep. it's actually to a delicious restaurant so you 50, you walk up either way again great <laughs> exactly. story to tell right oh man so you walk upstairs and the first thing you notice were shoes just on the ground okay the uh, well evidence of victims i, I oh, think oh fair enough um, yeah i'm no, just kidding no it's true no it's true. no it's uh yeah so a lot of uh, a couple pairs of shoes and we look down, you're just in this hallway that splits to the left and to the right. So I look down the left, look down the right. And this little Vietnamese lady just, just like waves me over. She just walks in front, she just like waves me across to the room next to us on our right. And it's literally this lady's living room. Oh my God. And they push the table, they put like the furniture to the side of the, uh, of the, of the walls. And here's the thing, there are no doors. So you just walk up this place and you're in this lady's house. So there's her kid is like sleeping on the couch in the corner. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, just like taking a nap. And there are three sets of like tables and chairs set up and there's some people eating pho already. So we sit down at the table. We just point it over to the pho. We, we, we put, and put up two fingers for two bowls. Yeah. So she didn't speak any English, of course. And right. so and she I, brought it you over. You don't speak Vietnamese. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. And you know, the universal language of pointing to something and Absolutely. You know, pointing oh, fingers, charades. It, it works. Everywhere. Apps everywhere. Works everywhere. Cluck, yeah. cluck, point, point, chicken. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh, man. And so she brought over like two bowls of pho for us and she kind of showed us how to eat it because here in America, we're, we're accustomed to having all these herbs on the side with like lime and garlic and like yep. jalapenos Chilies and stuff like and, that. Chilies mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So this place didn't have that. They had sl thin slices of garlic and vinegar and like a super thin, like vinegary hot sauce. And that's Ooh. it. So Yum. she just told her, here, she she put a little bit of garlic in there, put a little hot sauce in there, and she just like waited. And then so we take our first bites, of course, like pho heaven. Oh. And we, we we like smile back at her, oh this is so good. You know? <laughs> she smiled and left the room. And then we noticed too, there is this fried bread that the at the other tables had. So we asked for some, for some fried bread. And it looks similar to like some like uh, Chinese restaurants have when you're eating like dim sum oh, or stuff. Oh, sure. Yep. I know exactly yeah, what this, about. this long yeah. pho, pho bread. I think it's called uh, a Vietnamese ban quê. Okay. So you take that bread, you dip it into your broth too as you're eating. And it's just mm. like this, it's, a, it's beautiful. And uh, this broth is like super light very very beefy it's the craziest thing it's like i don't get it like how can there be this much flavor in such a light broth and super delicious like i said um lots of you know good amount of meat in there some already cooked ones some raw meat they put in there but then becomes cooked when you add that hot broth mm -hmm. and then the they add a lot of green onions and you think that's too many green onions then you realize this is the right amount of green onions it's perfect <laughs> that's awesome have you tried to remake it at home Oh no. Oh no. no. Um, I've made lots of stocks and stuff and I don't, it, it's baffling. I don't know how long, I'm sure it's not a long cook process to make that broth, but I don't know what they do. It's like the secret recipe that I'm sure only one other person knows in the family. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and it's not written down. Oh yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm sure. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. Yeah. 
Um, so, and yeah. we'll link to your podcast episode and blog in the show notes in case Manu wants to go check it out. Cause I know I want to go check it out. Um, Brie from Facebook writes, if you had to pick, oh God, this is a tough question. If you had to pick three of your favorite meals from everywhere you've been, what would they be? So I actually just put a podcast episode about, about that this week. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. Ironically, but um, if I had to pick three, um, it'd be tickets in Barcelona, uh, the restaurant tickets. Okay. So it's a tapas bar that is run by uh, Ferran Adria. Okay. No, excuse me, Albert, Albert Adria. His okay. brother Ferran ran El Bouilly in, oh. uh, in Spain, which was like notably one of the best restaurants in the world. Mm -hmm. And Albert was the pastry chef there. And he worked on other things in there with his brother to create a lot of very interesting oh. gastronomically like notable dishes. Okay. Such as the olive that's suspended in its own juice. I remember this one. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. So they do a lot of those things because LB closed down because they wanted to make and focus their attention on um, other things. Yep. And so tickets bar though run by um, albert adria he makes some great delicious amazing food there so um we had the olive that was suspended in its own juice and it's pretty cool because it tastes more like an olive than what an olive actually is it's a, it's a crazy thing and when you bite into it it kind of pops in your mouth you know it's this little ball that's just barely holding together and then you buy into it, it's just like pop in your mouth. It's oh. like all the juice. It's super, super, super great. Really unique. It's surprisingly flavorful. You're like, whoa, like it's, <laughs> you weren't expecting that sort of like punch in the mouth. It was great. So cool. So cool. Yeah. And one, and one more thing there, mm. uh, crunchy octopus. Oh. Our waiter suggested it. It was phenomenal. Mind-blowingly, like don't know how they made it. Super crispy on the outside, soft and creamy on the inside. It was a mind-bending thing. Super I'm good. I'm salivating. I'm literally salivating right now. You're killing me. <laughs> yeah. And then a uh, second one, actually, I mentioned was the the uh, bun cha in Hanoi was one of my favorite things. So bun cha are like these little meatballs that are grilled over hot coals, and they're put into a bowl of like sauce. Generally, it's like a fish sauce mixture with mm. some radish and carrots, and then you have dry noodles on the side. And you take dry noodles, you dip them into the sauce, take a bite of meatball. I am a huge sucker for food cooked over hot coals. Like, oh, yeah. if you're if you're cooking over hardwood, just count me in. I'm gonna be in line, and I know it's gonna taste amazing because it it's takes the smell. Like you smell oh, it from like two blocks away. I know. I know. It's, it I, is. I could not wonderful. agree with you more. I, oh God. Yeah. And okay. this place was by our Airbnb, luckily, and man, it just in the afternoon the entire neighborhood is like filled with smoke and you're like where is this coming from i thought something was literally on fire but no, <laughs> no they're just the making meatballs. meatballs like turning them out like super quick i'm like this is it this is yes. awesome so you went there almost every day good for you i went there so we went to secret fa and this place i think six times each <gasps> while we were there you know wow yes it was so good that's how good i it was. mean i couldn't get enough like i had to stop we had to make decisions to not go there to eat because we should eat other things. While but we're then, in the city. You, as you're eating other things, you're like, I could be eating secret pa. I could, pa. Be, I could yeah. be eating the secret fun fried bread right now. So sad. Uh, yeah. Exactly. All right, and bring it on home number three. Uh, the Maxwell Hawker stall in Singapore. Of course. Um, that's that's one of my favorite ones. Um, not only is the food in there so so good. I mean it's inexpensive you hop around you can get like five different dishes spend mm -hmm. like 15 dollars and 
just be full on tons of noodles and roasted pork and dumplings. But what's cool about this place is I forgot what day of the week you'd have to look it up. Um, mm. But one day a week or two days a week, they close down the street around it and they bring out these grills and they have grilled satay outside. I'm talking like, I'm talking like, like 20 different grills from 20 oh. different restaurants and they're doing like grilled shrimp and beef and chicken. And it's just superb. And like, same thing. And this is the middle of Singapore, like huge skyscrapers are around yeah. you and you have this, this plume of smoke just wafting through the streets. Like, having people, you know, come in because they smell this amazingly grilled meats here. Oh my God. Well, in Singapore, they have some, I mean, their hawkers are some of the best in the world, number one. And number two, I'm pretty sure, and I don't know if this is still true, they had Michelin star. Like one had a, a couple of them had one Michelin star, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they might have more than one star. I don't know, but I know that they're the only place in the world that the hawkers have. <laughs> it's like Michelin yeah. star food. It's insane. Oh, absolutely. It's so yeah. insane. That's awesome. I, need to go to all of these places and I'm very <laughs> jealous. They're all yeah. now all on my bucket list. Um, Joshua in New York city writes, what are your must haves to bring when you are traveling internationally? Good question. Oh, noise canceling headphones are worth their weight in gold to, I'll take that one to the, to like the grave there. Like that's like noise canceling headphones. So not only are they just good for flights because you know, long flights, you're hearing that droning, <sighs> Yeah. you know sound the whole time it's great to watch movies wait are like you sleeping to next to my husband too on the plane because that's kind of what he sounds like on the plane too <laughs> do you travel noise. with him too oh, okay great uh -huh. Uh -huh. how'd you know i know right uh so noise canceling headphones i have like the sony um 1000 mx uh, xm4s so Ooh. they're they're expensive they're like 300 bucks Worth but it. like i said i would I've had noise canceling headphones for like the past 10 years before that, those I had Bose. Um, and so I would say invest in a pair, even if you're doing short trips, if they're just nice for everything, you know? Yeah. So multi, multi uses there. Um, I also have like an old iPad. So this is like, goodness, like I bought this iPad like eight years ago. So I still have it and it's only use is to watch movies. So I, I just pre-download some movies on there. Super important because sometimes they don't, their in-flight entertainment can just suck. Yeah. Don't have anything you want to watch. Big time. So yeah, you have some movies on the iPad. Kind of nice to have. And then uh, Nintendo Switches. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're you know, all my... about entertainment. Like those oh, are your yeah. must-haves for traveling yeah. internationally. Okay. And oh, now what about a um, an international plug? Are you an international plug bringer when you go places? Yeah, I, I do. So um, real quick on the Nintendo Switch. It's really oh, important yeah, sorry, because please. my wife and I, we both have one and we play together on the plane. <laughs> so we will play like Mario Kart. We both have our own screen. So super important though. I'm telling you, like, it's pretty you fun to do that. adorable. <laughs> I love it. We try. Oh, goodness. So uh, for this, for the, for the plug, what I have is I actually have a surge protector built into it. Oh, smart. And it also has... A couple like uh, USB plugs for it as well. So it has two outlets plugged into it. It's like a little box that has a long cord that plugs into the wall. So it has that surgical protector on there. I just bring the adapter that I need for the countries. Um, and for the most part, when you're going to a certain region of the world, they pretty much have all the same ones. Just do a little yeah. research, you know which one to bring. So um, yeah, it's, it's good. Easy. Great advice. It sounds like you need a lot of in-flight entertainment. <laughs> 
when you travel and that's awesome because I can't sleep really on international flights. Like I will try desperately to drug myself, take the Advil Tylenol PM or, or whatever melatonin. And it just, I can't get comfortable. I'm a very Goldilocks kind of sleeper. Like the temperature needs to be right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the, the, the moon exactly. needs to be hanging in yeah the right place in the atmosphere. And so um, that's great. I also too like to be entertained. Art in California writes, where do you live now? And what do you recommend doing and eating in your town? Okay, so I live in Denver, Colorado. And great city. Food has gotten extremely good in the past five years, especially. So oh, yeah, if, you're, if you're coming you. for food, you won't be disappointed in a lot of these things that you can select. Uh, one thing to do for sure is we have a place called the Rhino District, stands for River North, and that's our art district. Anyone who visits, I always tell them, you gotta walk around the Rhino District because they have amazing, amazing, amazing street art there. So cool. I mean, things that baffle you. I don't know how they did some of this art. You're like, I can't believe this is actually on a wall. And just about every single building, this is no exaggeration, every single building in this art district has some sort of mural graffiti that's really cool and some sort of spectacular street art that's involved. And so it's a really cool spectacle. You go, you go during the daytime, there are a lot of like uh, local microbreweries there too. So you hop around, have a beer or two, go to the next place, beer or two, just walk along the main street there. And uh, there are also some distilleries if you want to do that too. Some good restaurants. There's a food market there. A lot of really cool things to do. Um, and then for food too, I would recommend two restaurants. My favorite is Sassafras, which is Ooh. a Cajun restaurant. Has some very unique things. They do an egg Benedict called the Deep South Benedict. So it's like poached egg on top of collard greens, on top of cornbread with a hollandaise with unique uh, hot sauces. They make their own hot sauces and jams in house too. Um, so it's a you know Cajun brunch place. They do some really cool like red beans and rice is really good. My my thing that I eat is their chicken fried eggs. So Ooh. they soft boil eggs. They batter them in, in a light batter, deep fry it. So the oat, the yolk is still runny and it's served with buffalo hash and cornbread. Super good. Um, and they, they like do a lot of Bloody Mary things too. So if you're a big Bloody Mary fan, they have Bloody Mary flights with different <gasps> things in them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. Can't go wrong. I'm, I, I, oh my God. You said yeah. you had one more. <laughs> Yes, Garden Grace, which is a modern steakhouse. And I like this place to do extremely great cocktails. Um, they have an oak-fired oven where they finish a lot of the food. So like they have a really good spinach artichoke dip. Their oak-fired carrots are amazing. And they specialize mm -hmm. in really good steaks too. They have a couple of dry-aged steaks they do in-house. And they also do their own charcuterie where they, you know, make their own like salamis and stuff mm -hmm. like that too. So you have to get like a charcuterie plate. You get some cheese. You get some wine, a cocktail. Get the spinach artichoke dip. You get a nice steak. Man, it's a good I am night. so excited night. to come to Denver. All of my family lives out there. So a lot of my family lives out there. So I'm <laughs> always in Denver. And now I'm definitely going to hit up one of these places. And you and I are definitely going to Sassafras. And we will be oh, sharing. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And it's, <laughs> I love that Denver loves acronyms. Like you guys downtown, oh, yeah. you love an acronym for oh, an area. And it's so oh, funny. Yes. No, I mean, we're in Boston where I am. It's we don't crazy. really use oh, acronyms. We just so call many. it what it is. But you guys, there's an acronym for every street. Every it's a different single acronym. one. I know. Low, so low, 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 high, right yeah. now. <laughs> yep. I know. And it started oh, off with like just Lodo like that. Yep. I think that was probably the first one. Yep. And then it just 
the, as Denver grew, the acronyms just kept going and going. Yep. It's hysterical. And that's when you were like the rhino. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> well, 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 that's why I said river north, you know? I so know. Like... <laughs> no, it's so awesome. It's so... And you're right about the art district. And like, there's also, and I don't know what time of, no, it's probably around now, maybe June, July when I was there. And <clears throat> there was this really cool art pop-up show somewhere in the downtowny area and it was like artists were doing these street art um like chalk kind of art and i mean it was insane oh, yeah. art like mm -hmm. 3d almost like it, it's mind-blowing what people are doing with just straight up chalk like the creativity oh, yeah. bubbling in denver is it's so cool i highly recommend going art from california which is not a far flight to denver. it's not no. Yeah. Mm -mm. Linda from Instagram writes, have you tried to recreate some of the dishes you've loved from traveling when you're back at home? What has been your most successful dish? So this is an easy one to answer. And the answer is no, <laughs> I, I don't. And there's a reason for it. It's not because I don't want to eat that food at home. It's yeah. just, I know I won't be able to do it and how my personality is. So I have a very unique personality type where I can be very obsessive about things. So if I try to do something and it doesn't taste right, I'll keep trying it over and over and over again. So I, I, I came with my, with my own like chocolate chip cookie recipe and it drove my wife crazy because I literally made like 50 batches of chocolate chip cookies trying to make it perfect. And I just can't do that. <laughs> I can't, oh, excuse me. Uh, hit my no, mic you're there. fine. Uh, so you sorry. should be like, I can't a, physically a, do it. no, you should be like a recipe tester. If you love doing yeah. that, like that's such a, and there is a demand for it for yeah, that you could get paid. I, that was a, a thing I want to do in the future too, was to be like that sort of like person or uh, be a consultant for restaurants to try their their food and be like, you know, this doesn't have enough of this or it needs more acid, it needs more yeah. spice or, I don't know. In my opinion, that's just, it's I how I like that. food and I, I can't re recreate those dishes just because I'll just obsess over it too much. Well, that and you don't want to tarnish the food memory that you oh, have. Yeah. Like there's no way you're ever going to make secret pho at home. Nope, as good as nope. secret fun in Hanoi with the swinging light bulb. So why bother? <laughs> Just exactly. enjoy, go back to Hanoi. Um, Carolyn from Instagram writes, one of my bucket list places to go is Japan. I want to go and try to spend a few weeks there. Have you been? Where should I go and what should I eat? So if you're going for food, I know everyone wants to go to Tokyo and you won't be disappointed if you go to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of cool things in Tokyo. If you're going for food, I'd say you go to Osaka instead. Um, I've been to Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto. Um, and I would say Osaka, it's called like, oh goodness, I forgot what it's called. Oh man, I can't believe it. it just, it just came to me. It's like this, it's called like the like belly of, of, of Japan or something Ooh. like that. Some sort of saying. And they have a saying there and also where it's like you eat until you drop in Osaka. <laughs> So I don't, I don't know what it is in Japanese, but they have like sort of that sort of saying there. They even have like a mascot who promotes this overeating indulgence for tourists. I <laughs> so, have to go. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, That's amazing. So Osaka just has this just amazing, amazing food scene, unique food culture. My favorite ramen's there. My favorite like Japanese curry's there. And they have a little bit for everybody. They have super high and expensive things, but they also have the very inexpensive, delicious things you can find anywhere. But the thing about Osaka, though, is it's not like a super fancy city. They have some cool things. Still, there's a certain section of the city called Dantonbori. 
I don't think I'm even saying that right, but it's a little downtown area, lots of food. They have like enormous animatronic like crabs and like shrimp or like, I don't know, cows like swinging like above the restaurants. And it's very, I don't know, cartoony. It's pretty fun. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds really cool. And it's not just for tourists either. It's like, this is where locals go to eat there too. But I will, um, I'll make two notable places that I mm. thought were really, uh, let's do three real quick. Yeah. Uh, there's a place called Curry uh, Yakamito. And so this place, this guy, it's a really, really small shop. Um, and you'll probably have to take a taxi there. It's a little bit outside of the main city center area, but not, not long. We, we walked there, but it just took a little while. But um, this guy is japanese but he, he was born in the uk and he came back started making japanese curry it takes like over a day to like make this curry too and if you ever had japanese curry it's very surprisingly good like it's not like uh, indian curry it's a whole nother style than that but japanese curry it's just it's its own thing he makes his own curry he makes a uh normal curry and then he also makes a vegan curry or oh. excuse me i think vegetarian not vegan um yeah Okay. but uh, a, a vegetarian one and so it's just curry and rice that's the only thing he does there two curries you know with with, with right white rice with like sake and beer and that's it that's a Super bold great. statement for a restaurant oh, to do two things like you know yeah. you're doing them well it's and it's great it is worth wow. the trip it is mind-bendingly good you're you just never had anything quite like it the flavors and the complexity but yet it's not overpowering because curry can get overpowering very quick if you don't do it right he just does it is perfect. it like a coconut milk base kind of curry no no um japanese curries i forget what the base is for but just a lot of spices so um very good but no coconut milk this okay because i can't picture what a japanese curry is but i'm very intrigued by this because i love curries i love all different types of curries so i'm um, yeah. And I just did this whole deep dive on um, Indonesian food from like Bali and, and it, it was just, oh my God, it was so amazing in Sri Lankan food. And so I'm very excited to try a Japanese curry. Yeah. A lot of Japanese curries generally come with a, you know, fried pork cutlet, like a, a oh, like a katsui. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you don't know that was what, you know what it comes with, but this place doesn't do that. It's just the curry and the rice. Super good. Uh, mm-hmm. Second place is Kurasushi. It's, they have places like this in America, but the reason why I know this place is because it is very cheap. It is so cheap. This place is a conveyor belt sushi place and you have like a little <laughs> table with like a screen on there and stuff. Yeah. And you order your food off the screen and it sends like your food to you on this conveyor belt. And they also have this continuous revolving thing of sushi that you just pick it off. Yeah. Once you're done with the plates, you put into like this little chute that goes into like the, the restaurant and this mystery area yep, of the totally. unknown. Totally. <laughs> And then the screen adds up your total for you. And then it's like a game. And then if you put so many plates in, this little like Japanese character cartoon comes up and gives you a prize. And this little prize pops out of the computer screen. And it's a little like sticker, oh my like, God. Or like a little toy. And this like one of the little plastic balls, you know? You How many do you ball. have to eat to get the plastic ball? <laughs> I think, think like 10 plates or something like that. I can see that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That's not, that's thing not is, that much. That's easy. Oh, yeah. So each plate on average was like a dollar, a dollar fifty. So you can like eat so much and the sushi is actually very very good for what it is like you're not gonna get you know like super high-end sushi here but no. for inexpensive sushi that place was is better than just about every single japanese place i've tried in america and that's like dollar sushi you know Damn. super good 
That's a, like, that is plate. another big bold statement, my friend. Damn. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Like, okay. like each plate has like two pieces of sushi on it too. So you're like, Perfect. man, we would eat until we're like completely bursting, you know, full for like 20 bucks. Yeah. I was going to say in with tip, it's like $35. That's awesome. Good for Easy. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other one is Ichigen. Ichigen is a uh, uh, kushikatsu place. So kushikatsu is one of the fun things that they do in Osaka where it's these little pieces of food skewered, battered, and deep fried. And it's very, very simple. (laughs) Super delicious. But they do it really well. I mean, anything deep fried, let's be honest. Yeah, it is drinking food. Like you're you're having cold beer and you're, you're eating that. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And this place does it, does it really well. I mean, they have all sorts of stuff from like, you know, chicken, fish to vegetables. It's similar to just like anything that we would understand as far as like battered and deep fried. It's not a tempura. Um, it, it does have like breadcrumb on the outside. But what's interesting about it is that, you know, they have some very unique things. Like they did one with like a, with an egg. So soft boiled egg, skewered, battered, Ooh. deep fried. Egg, the the yolk is still runny. When you eat it, you cut into it and you're like oh there's there's a running yolk in here i, would, I didn't know i idea. Like, love that yeah oh. it's so cool that's like the scottish um, egg um with but that's like running in the middle but then it's got the meatball around it and that yeah gets yeah, fried. yeah. <laughs> oh I it's so it. cool I yeah you it. have beer yep. and they have like this communal dipping sauce which i'm not sure if they're doing anymore but the rule is you dip <laughs> once you dip your entire thing in there one time and you eat it so okay. every like two tables has this like communal like soy sauce based like sauce thing yeah here. you can't you can't double dip <laughs> and we all know that no. from seinfeld correct There's no double dipping you, you cannot you can't double, double dip, dip the chip, the chip. <laughs> you can't you can't that's awesome uh, okay so yeah, we know no. you're not recreating anything at home from your travels no. but what are you cooking at home a lot of Korean food. So like bibimbap, um, mm. I have this little like grill we take outside. We buy these little things um, for like a Korean barbecue because Korean oh, barbecue sure. can get pretty expensive. And there's a Korean uh, store here in Denver called H-Mart. We go there, barbecue. we buy some pre-sliced meats. It's mm-hmm. like, it's good. You do your own little barbecue thing outside. And then um, anything else that's really simple. Like I've been trying to, you know, lose some weight. So uh, trying to do like nice, clean seared meats and such. So good super for good. You. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I tried to make, um, there's a spice company and I'm not going to get the name right, but they do these little spice pods um, and they create these recipe stacks with these spice pods. And so it's very famous chefs. A lot of them come from the top chef lineage of the, that are curating these recipes. And so I got the late night Korean town snack uh, deck. Yeah. Oh my God. We, I <laughs> Good made, stuff, huh? okay. What are the, what are this, those pancakes that you guys make? Um, they're like scallion pancakes, but they're not, they're special. They're, um, well, what are they well, called? pancakes in Korean are called a uh, pajon. Um, yeah, so but pajon. Mm-hmm. yeah, but, yeah. Uh, for the scallion ones, I can't remember the name. No, right it was, no, why. it was a, it was a pad, it was a pajon and they had you, like literally melt scallions in oil and garlic and get everything beautifully caramelized. Mm-hmm. And when you're making the pajon, you sprinkle some of that in and they had gochujang flakes that you flake in it too. Oh, oh my cool. God. Oh, these were so good. <laughs> and like, they're so light and airy because of the way that the batter is. Um, it was very surprising because, you know, a scallion pancake has a totally different texture than a pajon does. I correct, think, and I'm probably correct. saying this yep. wrong. Um, and the other thing that I made obviously Korean fried chicken's a massive thing. So this was one of their recipes with Korean fried chicken, but then they had you take 
Oh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I think it's called Dakubi. Da, da, Dakbuki? Yeah, Dakbuki. And mm -hmm. rather than how I've had it many times, sauteed in like, you know, gochujang or whatever other kind uh -huh. of sauce, they had to deep fry it. Oh, interesting. Yep, sit with that for a second now. So let me tell you, are they tasty deep fried? Oh, hell yes, they are. <laughs> is it dangerous as all hell? Oh, hell yes, it is. Because when those things start popping, that oil went everywhere. Ooh. I still have not figured out how to do it where the house didn't catch on fire. But like we were literally, we would throw a handful in and then we'd hold the lid over the pot hovering it. Yeah, and like, exactly. Sprayed. I mean, the oh, whole man. thing was like shaking, but... <laughs> They tasted, they like puffed up and they were like chewy, but crunchy, but soft in the middle. Oh, yes. They had you deep fried tapoki. Yeah. They Is did. that what it was? Wow. Yeah. Cause it's the, the, the rice the, cakes. Yeah. I know nobody ever did. With them. like a, the, the sauce and everything. Yeah. I can see why that's dangerous. <laughs> like, Very dangerous. Well, I'm sure it was absolutely amazing. It was, it was worth the danger. I mean, I literally had scars on my arms for two oh, days, man. but I didn't care. It was so good. <laughs> so good. Anyway, promote yourself. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, so nomadicfoodist.com is my website with all the show notes as well as some blog posts and other things about me. You can find me on just about every platform, but I really just focus on Instagram right now at uh, nomadicfoodist. So you have everything there to get a hold of me or you can uh, DM me on uh, Instagram there if you have any questions. Awesome. And I'll link everything in uh, the show notes on my website as well. Last question. If COVID wasn't a thing, which kind of isn't anymore, and I think I know the answer to this, and you had oodles and oodles of noodles of money, where are you going and what are you eating? <laughs> and take all, everyone does this. Oh, the no, answer is I'm everyone take a goes, second. Hmm. or they go, oh, God. Hmm. I love it. I really want to go back to Barcelona, actually. Um, Do you? I really want to go back to Barcelona and spend, spend a good amount of time there because I had such a short trip before. Mm. And there's a place we got paella from, which was kind of outside the city center. It took a little bit of a, of a trek to get to, but it was a life-changing dish for my wife, especially because she wasn't a big seafood eater. And then she tried that and just like, holy guacamole, this is fantastic. So paella was one of those dishes for us that was like, man, it's very unique, very flavorful. And every other time I've had paella, has been terrible since then. So it ruined me Ooh. in a, in and a good way. And what was the name of that place in Barcelona? Do you remember? I, I do not remember off the top of my head, no. but, but I can find it though. Okay, yeah, and let me know. And then we'll put that in the show <laughs> notes as well because yeah. I secretly really want to go to Barcelona. We're talking about going um, this winter and and I know Barcelona in the winter is probably not ideal, but I don't care. I think Barcelona at any time <laughs> of year would be beautiful. Yes, agreed. And um, I'm going to make a list for myself of places you... <laughs> <laughs> eaten in Barcelona. Yes. Oh, so that's man. awesome. That's awesome. Chris, I can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting with me. And we'll have to have we're we're gonna do this again because this is only scratching the surface of everything that you've done. And it's you know, selfishly, I just love talking with you. So this was such a blast. You're such a great human. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Beth. Anytime, anytime. I'll see you later. Bye. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was a blast and I learned so much. Everybody, 
please check out Chris's podcast, The Nomadic Foodist Show, wherever you podcast, and I'll link all of his information in the show notes, as well as all of his picks, so you can travel like Chris. As always, you need me, you know where to find me, elizabethrfuller.com. Email me, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Thank you guys so much for listening. Lead with kindness, make some yummy food this weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye!